You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Let me take a minute and tell you about something that's happening in just two weeks, okay? Uh, November the 19th, which is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we are going to have this uh, awesome day together. And I want you to make sure that you mark it on your calendar and that you don't let anything keep you from being here on that particular Sunday, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We have been thinking about the way that God blesses us. His blessings are everywhere, but sometimes they just kind of knock us off of our feet and make us realize that God is with us and that we are loved. And so we started making a, uh, a list as a staff of all of God's blessings. And as we did that, we were just overwhelmed. At the heart of that list is you. Your faithfulness, your service, your love, your partnership. God is working through all of you. And people's lives are being changed and touched and transformed. And so we're really grateful for everything God's doing. So on Sunday, November 19th, just two weeks away, we're going to take that entire morning and give praise and thanks to God. You might say, what does that look like? Well, we're going to have video telling stories of people's lives who have been changed. We will do it with print. You'll receive a booklet when you come in that you can take with you, just kind of tell them the story over this past year here at BFC. Uh, We will keep up this long-term tradition of receiving a Thanksgiving offering. It's another way that we say thanks, and that money is given to world missions. And so some of you have done this for 50 or 60 years of your lives. On this Sunday, we are asking others of you to join us in this tradition. We, We will sing songs because nothing expresses our hearts sometimes like music. And we will pray, and the sermon will focus on God's goodness. So, I need you to tell me what Sunday that is. November the what? Very good. And uh, mark your calendar and make sure that you're here, okay? It's not you, it's me. Sometimes I feel like those first few comments I make are the least listened to in the entire 15 minutes that I preach here every Sunday morning. Uh, You're saying, no, you preach longer than that, right? Yeah. But if maybe we could just come together. Often, I stand up and I do this. And when I do this, it means something. We talk about living with our arms open. Making room. And making time for anybody that God brings into our lives. And the reason we talk about doing that is because that's the way Jesus lived. The founder of the church, Jesus Christ himself, lived like this. And he made room and he made time for everybody that God brought into his life. And so people would come up to Jesus and say things like, Hey, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? And he would say, Come and see. In other words, he was saying, Want to come over to the house for a while? And so they went with him and they spent the whole day with Jesus where he lived. And then he would walk up to people like Philip and say, Hey, Philip, follow me. In other words, let's hang out together. You and I should be friends. And he walked up to a guy one day whose name was Matthew. Everybody hated Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He lined his pockets by extorting the poor. And he says to Matthew, hey Matthew, want to go with me? Want to hang out? 
And you can imagine the other disciples had to have been saying, Jesus, what are you nuts? We don't want Matthew to hang out with us. Everybody hates Matthew. Are you serious? And Jesus said, yeah, want to go to his house tonight because he's throwing a party. And sure enough, Jesus and the other disciples go to Matthew's house for a party. And the Bible says there were a lot of people there who were very sinful. And so for the whole evening, Jesus hung out with some really sinful people. Now, because Jesus lived like that, I'm going to borrow some words. I like these words a lot. They're not my words. They're not in the Bible, but they're good words, okay? The church becomes a head-turning, jaw-dropping, uncommon gathering of people. Because everybody got invited. And so you say the phrases after me. The church became a head-turning, jaw-dropping, uncommon gathering of people because everybody got invited so that's the way jesus lived he just said to everybody i'm going to make room and time for you in my life and you can come and hang out with me in fact you can sit at the table with me in the kingdom of god so sometimes i think like this i wonder why some people didn't respond to the invitation or I guess I would say I wonder why some people don't respond to his invitation. And then sometimes I'm really amazed at people who do respond because I think they would be like the least likely to get involved to sit at the table with Jesus and the kingdom. But they say yes. And so Jesus talks about it here in Luke chapter 14. So you want to open a Bible and uh, turn to Luke 14 and I'll start with verse 15. So... If you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, if you go to the New Testament, there is Matthew and then Mark and then Luke, okay? And so we are in Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to start with verse 15. So after you found it, if you don't mind, look back up at me, and I will give you the context of the scripture that I'm reading to you, okay? So here's the context. Jesus goes to the house of a very prominent Pharisee. Now, I'll make it really brief. A Pharisee gave his life, separated himself from almost everything else so that he could keep the law, okay? So Jesus goes to this house of this prominent religious leader, this Pharisee. And immediately when Jesus is there, the first thing he does, listen, this is wild, okay? He hands down, heals a guy. I mean, don't you think everybody is now paying attention to Jesus? And so I pray right now in Jesus' name, that if you are here today needing healing, that God would heal you. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking God in this moment to bring healing to people who are in this room. And if there's someone that you love that needs healing, I'm going to ask the Father in Jesus' name now, would He heal them? The second thing Jesus does is He talks to them about When you have a dinner party like this, I I want you to think about this. Okay, just maybe try this one time, okay? Instead of inviting your friends who have the ability to invite you back to their house for a dinner party, just, just think about this. What if you invited the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame who can't repay you? And then you would be repaid in the resurrection. Just try that one time. I dare you, one time. And so, when you get to verse 
15, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So he's talking about this moment when God fully rules, okay? And so Jesus replies, oh, you want to talk about the kingdom of God? I would love to talk with you about the kingdom of God. And so here's what Jesus says. There was a certain man, and he tells this, this parable, this story, uh, who was prepared to throw this great banquet, and he invited many guests, okay? And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell them, uh, tell those who have been invited, come, uh, for everything is now ready. But they all alike begin to make excuses. Okay, just honest engine. How many of you, you know, have been invited to something and, uh, and you spent the whole afternoon trying to think of a good excuse why you wouldn't have to go to that? Uh, many of you have. Okay. So that's the situation they're in. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And in other words, he was saying, hey, business is going really well. I mean, my business is booming and a working man's got to work when business is here, right? So I can't come to the party because my business is going great. Okay, the second said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I want to take them for a test drive, a spin. Okay, I bought, you know, and, uh, and I'm on my way to try them out now. So please excuse me. In other words, he was saying, you know what? God's blessed me with a lot of possessions. And we got a lot of toys, and we play with the toys. I mean, you know, and life's full. Um, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And I have no commentary to offer on the third guy, okay? <laughs> Life is full. So the servant comes back, and he reported this to his master. And, and then the owner of the house became angry. But he turned his anger to grace and he ordered the servant, okay, do this. Go out quickly, okay? Go, go, go. Go into the streets and into the alleys of the towns and bring the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame, okay? Well, well, sir, he comes back later and says, "Um, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. It's like it was contagious. And so he wants to go invite more people who never get invited to a banquet, He goes and invites the homeless people, the crippled, the lame, the people have to beg for a living. And so it's pretty neat. And so then the master told the servant, okay, go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Do you think it's interesting that when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he uses an analogy. And the analogy he uses is an analogy of a great, like, a feast or maybe a dinner, okay? A celebration, uh, a party, where that there is going to be a table, and the table is going to be set with all kinds of food. And so people are coming and bringing stuff to prepare it. I think what makes it interesting is not only that he does, but that he, he says, I'll tell you what, everybody gets invited to my party. Thank you, Jake, so much. Be a little more generous if you don't mind. Thank you, my friend. So, you say, uh, Rick, I don't feel like I really deserve to sit at the table in the kingdom of God with Jesus. Well, it's not about deserving to sit at the table in the kingdom of God. Or you may say, uh, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Because I know a lot of people 
that are a lot better than me and they live a lot better lives than I do. Or you may say, Rick Harvey, listen to me, man. I never get invited to anything. And I can't imagine that I would ever get one day invited to sit with Jesus at the table in his kingdom. Jesus says, none of that matters. You're invited. Now, here's the question. When you're invited, how do you respond? Or how did you respond? See, if you feel that you're uh, socially different, I don't tend to fit in. Or if you feel that you're morally different, I'm not as good as most of the people here, Pastor Rick. I've done some things in my life that weren't good. Or if you feel like even I'm just different culturally. Or Rick, the color of my skin. I'm, I'm not just like everybody around. Jesus says, guess what? You are invited to sit at my table with me in the kingdom of God. All right. So let's work with the story some. You might ask, how, how do you get into a community like that? How, how do you get into the kingdom of God? How do you actually get to sit at this table? And, and probably as people are considering this in their minds, they're thinking, okay, number one, you have to be invited. Obviously, you can't just go bursting through the door into some feast, into some banquet, right? Somebody has to like extend invitation to you. But then after that, I'm assuming there's like a probationary period where you've got to perform for a certain amount of time, a certain way. I'm assuming that you've got to have references, right? You've got to have some recommendations if you're going to get, you know, in, in the deal. I mean, somebody's got to recommend you. And then probably there's some kind of initiation that you would go through and there's some kind of a test that you would have to pass and maybe then if you check all those things off and you do really well then you get to sit with Jesus at the table in the kingdom of God and the truth is that none of that is accurate all you have to do is just accept the invitation and show up and enjoy all the good things that God the host has prepared for you to enjoy the life that he has prepared for you so as we work our way through this story a bit, I think there's some good stuff for you to take home with you today. Because I got a feeling that all of you know what it is to invite somebody to something and they tell you that they're going to come. And then when you get right up to it, as you've planned and thought about it all weekend, you know that Friday night I've got this plans that I've made with so-and-so and this is what we're going to do and it's going to be fun and I'm glad we're going to do it. And when somebody else says to you, hey, you want to do something Friday night, you kind of, you know... Uh, almost proudly say, no, I've got plans. Uh, I'm going to do this with these people. And oh, okay, well, I'm glad you got plans. And then you get right up to the afternoon and you're all excited about the night and the person calls and says, yeah, I'm not going to make it. And you kind of wonder why they backed out on you. So that's what happens in the story that Jesus tells. There is this guy, this master of a home, this very wealthy man, and he decides that he's going to throw a great banquet. He's going to set the table, and when the table is set, then he's going to invite friends, and they're all going to come, and it's going to be a great dinner party. But something happens. Now you tell me, in the story, who represents the master of the home? It's God. 
Well, who are the invited guests? It's the Jewish people. Now, don't misunderstand. The Bible says many Jews followed Jesus. The disciples were Jewish young men, right? But there were many, many Jewish people who did not follow Jesus. But the Bible clearly tells us that the Jewish people were really excited about the coming of the kingdom of God. And they were praying for the coming of the kingdom of God. And they were living their lives in anticipation of the coming of the kingdom of God. But when the kingdom of God finally arrived, they were distracted. And according to the story, they were busy with work and business because business was booming and a booming businessman has to go to work. And they were busy with all the, you know, possessions that God had blessed them with. And they were wealthy now and their calendars were just full. Life was good. And their hearts were somewhere else. So when Annette and I met 32 years ago, 32 years ago, we didn't really understand everything that you guys understand today. I, I, I jokingly, you know, I laugh about it now, but it's not a joke. It's true. I, I knew Annette five days when I looked deep into her eyes and I said to her, Annette Stone, I am in love with you. And I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Five days. And people say, why did you tell her in five days that you loved her? And I just say, because I didn't want to rush things. I wanted to be sure, you know. <laughs> That's why I didn't tell her on day one or two, you know. I I waited, I waited. Some things are worth waiting for. So when we got engaged, we didn't didn't know that you were supposed to, uh, like, plan this big elaborate thing and then have your buddy in the bushes with a video cell phone taping everything so you could put it on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. In fact, we didn't have cell phones. Did you know that these did not exist 32 years ago? Did you know that 32 years ago, the only mobile phone that was out there was a phone that was actually attached to your car, in your car, and it had a cord on it, and, you, and it was huge, and you talked on it, and then you hung it up in your car. That's 32 years ago, not making this stuff up. The only phone we had was hanging on the kitchen wall with a 20-foot spiral cord attached to it, where you could walk around the house with it, not making that stuff up. And we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know that you did this save-the-date thing. We're not cool. We're not hip. We didn't know. So we just sent invitations inviting you to our wedding. But now I open the mail at my house and I get all this save the date stuff. And so I do. I take out my phone. I put it in my calendar. I'm going to save that date because something's coming. It's not all that innovative. Because 2,000 years ago in the Middle Eastern part of the world, people were saving the date. And that is what is happening in this story. That's why it doesn't seem to make clear sense to you when you read it the first time. Here's the way it worked. The master of a house would decide that he's going to have a banquet. He's going to throw a party. And so what he does is he does a save the date. This is when the party is going to be. Mark your calendars for it. It's going to be a great deal. I want you all to come. However, when the table is finally completely prepared and the feast and everything is completely ready, it is only then that he sends his servants to go out to all the people and says, Okay, everybody come now. The feast is ready. You should come and eat. The master is calling you to come and dine. So that's the way it worked. So last night, Annette and I, no, it wasn't, it was Friday night, went to dinner with some people who attend church here. And so the, the, the wife says, you remember the sermon you preached a few weeks ago about the church being persecuted? Oh, yeah. Well, you remember how you said that um, 
When the church is being persecuted, like people are being killed because of their faith in Jesus and told you can't talk about Jesus, that it doesn't really stop the church. It actually makes the church grow more. I said, yeah. It's like, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. It just burns brighter. Okay. And so she says, but do you, do you remember that discussion you got into that day about, about distractions? And I said, oh, yeah. And the enemy now has a tactic that says, uh, let's, just, let's just fill their lives. Let's just fill their calendars with busyness. Let's just fill their bank accounts with money. Um, let's, just, uh, let's just fill their homes with possessions. Let's just give them the ability to travel and go and do. And, and they will get so focused on their lives. And they will be so busy that they won't even think about telling people about Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, you don't have to worry about it. Most of us Christians will never talk to you about Jesus because we are so wrapped up in the busyness of our own lives. And that's what's happening here. One guy says, I bought a field. Business is going really well. I can't come to the dinner because i got to get out and check on this new investment that I made in my business. And another person says, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I want to take them for a test drive, you know, see how they're doing. I want to get out with my new possessions. And another says, I just got married. I I think this is kind of funny, but I'm not making this up, okay? In the law, this is what is written, okay? And this is Jewish culture. In the law, it is written that when a man is married, that for a year, he is free from obligations like dinner parties. So, and I'm going to quote you word for word, so that he can stay home and bring happiness to his wife. Most of you married ladies in the room would say that's pretty much how it worked for you, right? That first year your husband just stayed home and brought happiness to you. I'm not sure that's my wife's story. But anyway, so lots of distractions. And so when I think about what happened 2,000 years ago, and I think about today, I don't think a lot has changed. I think the thing that keeps people from responding to the invitation to sit at the table with Jesus in the kingdom of God is just the fact that, Pastor, we are so busy and our lives are so full and we've got so much going on. I don't really know that we really need anything else anyway. So Jesus says, that's it. Those people will never taste of my banquet. I don't like that. It doesn't preach real well. It's not popular and it seems harsh. But it's a reminder that there are decisive events in our lives. And we make choices that have eternal consequences. And if I'm going to be a good pastor, there are days when I have to say things like that.
And I think this is one of those days. So what happens? The people who never get invited get invited. Just go out and just get some people in here. Get the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame and whoever's out, the homeless. It doesn't matter. Just bring people in and all of a sudden people like you and me get invited. And we go eat at the banquet. So I think here's the lesson. Don't ever let the distractions of this world keep you from having what God intends for you to have. So, I like the inspiration in the sermon, too, in the story. And so this is that part of it. And here's what it is. Um, I was eating breakfast with Rick Farmer, who attends church here um, one morning this week. And, and he tells me this story. He says, recently, my uncle, who is in his 80s, who lives in a small Oklahoma town, um, he goes to the Arby's for breakfast sometimes. And the other morning, he was, he was at Arby's. And, and the manager of the Arby's was talking to my uncle, who is now in his 80s and who has never professed to be a Christian. And he says to my uncle, um, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Because the manager of the Arby's in that little town believes that everybody gets invited to sit at the table in the kingdom of God. Even an 80-year-old man who has never professed Christ in his life. And so Rick says, my uncle says, okay. And so right there in Arby's, the manager prays for Rick's uncle. And a couple of days later, Rick's uncle is telling Rick's father, his brother, about what happened in the Arby's, that this guy asked me if he could pray for me. What did you say? I told him, okay. Well, what'd you think? Well, it was nice. Well, what do you think now? I think I'd like to go to church with you on Sunday. What do you think about that? And Rick's dad said, I think it's a splendid idea. I think you should go with us on Sunday. And he does. And then a few weeks later, he acknowledges Christ as the Savior and Lord of his life and is forgiven of his sins. And then he becomes a member of the church the next week. Because the manager of the Arby's in that little Oklahoma town believes that everybody gets invited to sit at the table with Jesus in the kingdom of God. Yeah, I love it. I just absolutely love it. And so, rescued people get to rescue people. See, I was never supposed to sit at the table because I was not born a Jew, I was born a Gentile. But I get to sit at the table. And the Jews never believed that Gentiles and sinners would ever get to sit at the table. But we get to sit at the table. And now we get to go out and invite other people to come and sit at the table in the kingdom of God with Jesus too. And we bring them into the banquet hall and we say, I want you to meet Jesus. I mean, that's awesome. And you hear it in the voice of the servant who says, there is still room. (laughs) We should go get some more people. So, in conclusion, if you today say, Rick, I don't think that I qualify to sit at the table. That's not the issue. Or if you say, I don't think I'm good enough. That's not the issue. Or if you think, I don't think I deserve it. Well, none of us do. If you say, I don't get invited anywhere. You're getting invited here to sit with Jesus at the table 
in the kingdom of God. So I have three young men sitting in front of me. I want you guys to jump to your feet. And these are guys who are saying yes to Jesus. I want to sit at the table with Jesus in the kingdom of God. They're accepting the invitation. And so I'm going to ask you two questions, okay? And you're going to look me in the eye. I'm going to ask you to answer my questions, okay? Do you renounce, do away with everything that would draw you ever away from God's love? If you do, say, I do. And do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, take off running and go get ready for baptism. Open your heart right now in this moment. And make up your mind that nothing is going to get in your way in these next three minutes. And that you're going to hear what God wants to say to you. Okay?
Church, our first candidate for baptism is Carson Sapcut. I'm so excited about Carson getting baptized today. In April, Carson went down to the altar in Kids Rock, and he asked Jesus to be the leader of his life and to be his best friend. And we were super excited about that. So when I asked Carson how he wants to be like Jesus, he said he wants to help other people and be really kind and Carson is a very kind boy and he wants to do um, please the Lord by helping others and I'm super proud of him so Carson put your hands right here Carson Aaron I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit grace and healing of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may the power of the Spirit work within you, that by being born through water and the Spirit, that you would be a faithful witness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, church. This is Rafe Thomas. Come here, Rafe. He is a son of Adam and Kaylin. Rafe is in fifth grade. And Rafe asked Jesus to be his savior this summer at Vacation Bible School. And Rafe, that was an amazing day, wasn't it? You, um, I understand that, that since this day, you've been thinking a lot through day by day of how you want, how you, how Jesus wants you to behave, how he wants you to act in situation after situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was talking with Rafe earlier this morning, and I said, Rafe, um, what, is, what is something scripture, what is some scripture that's incredibly special to you? John 3.16. you want to share it with them? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son to be the savior of the world. But whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Rafe Sarver Thomas, I baptize you this morning in the presence of these witnesses in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Rafe, receive the grace and the healing of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may the power of the Holy Spirit work within you that being born of the Spirit and of water, that you may be a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, this is Carson Bell. Carson is the son of Rodney and Becky Bell. 
you stuck your note card in the water. Yeah. Good thing that's not running right now, huh? Yeah. Got that just in case, don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Carson. Huh? We're in Kids Rock, and we're talking about the power of Jesus to transform your life. And how when Jesus transforms our life, he works through us. And our testimony draws others to him. And Carson, that day in Kids Rock, you came down and you asked Jesus to be your savior. That was an awesome day, wasn't it? Yeah. Man, I'm so proud of you. And I understand that in your devotions at home, that God has been showing you how you can more trust. You can trust him more and more in all that you do and not be afraid. And Carson, I, I, was, I would love for you to share what God is doing in your heart and the scripture that he's giving you. Would you share with the congregation? Mm-hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Praise the Lord. That is a promise, Carson. That is a promise that you can always hold on to. Yeah, but Carson Nathaniel Bell, it is a privilege to baptize you this morning in the presence of these witnesses. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Carson, receive the grace and the healing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may the power of the Holy Spirit work within you, the being born of the Spirit and the water, that you would be a faithful witness for Jesus Christ wherever you go. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. celebrate in response to what God's doing in the hearts of people in this church. Come on. Sing love. Love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I Oh,
so good. Hey, y'all go in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus. You're dismissed. You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org.